worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them, as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. All of Mark chapter 16. Father, we thank you once again for the power of your word. Thank you for the grace that rests upon your word. Thank you for the anointing that permeates your word. Thank you for the many ways your word ministers salvation, grace, strength, encouragement, joy, and so much more to us as we simply take time to read and meditate on your word. Father, stir every listener to become a much more diligent student of your word one that is wise enough to fill their hearts and their minds with your word every single day. And help us as parents and grandparents and those that work with or have the opportunity to interact with young people, help us to make it a goal to, as a lifestyle, continually encourage youth to get into your word every day so that they too can receive the blessings, the grace, and the benefit of getting into your word and thus spend time with you one-on-one -on -one every single day. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. 
Our producer is Rick Robertson. Rick is going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Father, we're so thankful that you sent your son to die on the cross for us, the, the precious lamb of God, a sacrifice for us. God, thank you so much for being so uh, so kind, so merciful to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Thank you, Rick. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. We're very grateful to have with us once again Sherry Oatstein. She, there goes Pete. He's excited because he's going to hear about Blackie again today. Sherry is the author of the book entitled Blackie, A Canine Rescue of the Heart. And I'm going to let Sherry uh, reintroduce herself and just help us help those that may not have heard the last broadcast. This will be really part two of this series of broadcasts where we're sharing this uh, very neat and beautiful book called Blackie, A Canine Rescue the Heart. But share if you'll reintroduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about where we're going, and then we're going to get right back into the reading. Thank you, Pastor. I'd be happy to. Uh, my name is Sherry Oatsine, and I've had <clears throat> many hats. I've been a teacher, a counselor. I've been an insurance agent. I'm an inventor of skin care and other inventions. I just, and I'm a writer. And my my treasure is my writing because that's the way I can spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in this book, Blackie, A Canine Rescue of the Heart, I'm spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ through a little dog who is ornery. He's not perfect, but he does have a great deal of love. And he taught me, the caretaker of my 90-year-old mother, how to love her, how to just kiss her and hug her and not expect great exploits from her after she developed dementia. So this is a really, um, I guess you'd call it a, a, a tutoring session, a, um, a manual on how to be a real lover, even though we think we know so much. Sometimes it takes a dog to teach us. So this is what I've got here, and I'm going to review real quickly. The book started off with my mother and her dementia. We finally saw in full when she took off with the car keys and didn't come home for 9 or 12 hours. So that was our first, you know, kind of wake-up call. From that point on, we had to take her car keys away, and I had to make a decision about my work life and staying with her, et cetera. And in the meantime, I tried to juggle work and taking care of mom, but it just did not seem to be going well. So I got her a little dog. And this is where we're coming into the story. We had to go to the Humane Society and find a dog and find the right dog. So there was some changes in the dog we selected. And then, of course, some changes in how we'd restrain him because he's a very intelligent poodle, Bichon Frise mix. So this is where we're coming into the story of how we picked Blackie, how we took him home with some divine signs from God that he was the one, and finding out when we got home that even so, there were still some real learning curves we had to go through. So that's where we're at, is Chapter 3, Finding Peace. Okay. But just having a divine intervention from God through Loretta and some additional coincidental signs did not make for completely smooth sailing once we arrived home. Part of the problem was my mother. She had a little trouble in her dementia and realizing that Blackie was a little dog, not a little boy. Consequently, the next day when I came home from work, I found my canine companion experiment to be a complete disaster. 
I called her on my drive home to see if our new charge was finally eating. He had been on a hunger strike since his admission to the animal shelter. Mom's voice simply beamed over the phone. Oh, yes, just come home and see. See, I did. There, as I entered the kitchen from the garage, was the most unusual sight. Mom had totally neglected pouring Blackie's dog food into his bowl. Instead, there on the floor was a bowl of milk with cut-up banana slices next to a plate with a huge macadamia nut and white chocolate chip cookie. Blackie, who had been on a hunger strike and had ceased eating at the pound, was suddenly eating his heart out. And who could blame him? He had arrived at Candyland. The next challenge was where to put Blackie when we both were out for dinner and so on. As he tore up every loose cardboard box in the garage when we stupidly followed the instructions for leaving your puppy. So it was back to Walmart for a pet carrier. The first small pet carrier I purchased was a canvas-like fabric, perfect, the label said, for traveling with and or restraining small dogs. But what seemed like an ever-so-simple solution became a wake-up call, a real eye-opener of what just might lie ahead. For I first tested at putting Blackie in his new carry-on container for the night. I stupidly thought, well, now that we have that settled, let's all go to bed. Not so fast. With a In exactly 10 minutes, Blackie had destroyed the leash connecting his collar to the inside roof of the carrier. Then he found freedom by eating himself out of the mesh screen door. Then when he was free and totally out of the carrier, he was up to his old tricks and mischief with a vengeance, probably due to pent-up anger from being restricted in the first place of knocking over every wastebasket in the house, like a kid raiding the refrigerator after school and spilling and trashing their contents. He may have been free, but I was in bondage. So back to Walmart to shop for a stronger metal cage the very next night after work. Harry Houdini had won another round. And it became a pattern. Blackie performed the same Houdini routine in every type of restraint. Car seats, body harnesses, you name it. All were just an exercise in futility for me, but an exercise in honing his magician's skills for Blackie. Blackie now was able to extricate himself from each within five minutes, not ten as before. Note to self, if worse comes to worse in the economy, maybe we can all join the circus with Blackie as an irregular, albeit creative, new Houdini. My brother Scott didn't help. He sarcastically remarked at dinner soon after the third or fourth incident. Next time you rescue a dog, don't you think you should demand an IQ test? Remember, the idea is that the dog should be just a little less intelligent than you are. It was so humbling, time-consuming, and costly. And it became a war of three wills, hers, mine, and Blackie's. And to make it worse, she did not remember anything I had tried to tell her. And Blackie not only remembered every hiding place for every food, he remembered and held a grudge. Slowly, I was beginning to believe that he and Mom were in this together, Mom enabling him and both in cahoots against me. And if it could be any worse, he would take out his anger on me by fussing over and loving up every female friend of ours who would come to visit. 
Then, snuggling in each friend's lap, he would look coolly over at me as if to say, See, she really likes me. She'd give me anything I want. I can't say I was contemplating divorce, but maybe murder by starvation. But only for a moment. Then I'd look at that face, that most precious, fuzzy little face I'd ever seen, and then my anger would melt into kisses and treats. He sure knew how to manipulate me and everybody else. That Blackie, he had a sweet tooth and a chicken tooth and a chocolate tooth and a cinnamon roll tooth and especially a cheese tooth. For example, he could be dead asleep in the next room and when he'd hear the ice box open and the tinkly sound of a cheese wrapper being removed, as I'd sometimes do for my late night snack of American cheese and crackers, well, he'd be all over Would it surprise you that he would have played possum only five minutes before when I tried to rouse him to go potty? He was such a con artist, and his hearing was impeccable. But try calling him to come when no food or treat was involved, and when the timing was not convenient to him, and you would have thought he was deaf. Anyway, our food challenges became more and more apparent every day. The macadamia nut, white chocolate chip cookie, milk, and banana that first week were just the tip of a very large iceberg. We later found, as his Humane Society paperwork had tried to warn us, he could fully jump four to six feet in the air or die trying for anything remotely edible. And for his short, barely two feet high frame, this was admirable or abominable, whatever your perspective. And he had no fear or shame. He didn't care if it was someone's lunch, someone's birthday cake, Christmas cookies, or just a special box of my Valentine chocolates. He was ruthless. I seriously wondered if he had been a serial killer before we adopted him. He just did not have a conscience. This concern grew daily, especially as the consequences and his weight worsened. Then came Christmas with the scent of Christmas cookies. Sure, I'm going to jump in right here. We're coming up on a break, and we'll pick up on the other side there. Our phone guest today is Sherry Oatstein. She's the author of the book, Blackie, a Canine Rescue of the Heart. We'll be right back. Confession and forgiveness and compassion I was born 
two dirty hands Something my daddy didn't understand Something his daddy didn't understand So it starts with me I was raised with distrust in my heart Mama told me we're worlds apart Her mama told her don't even bother So it starts with me Cause we can be free, yeah, yeah, I know that Let's try to fix the things that's been broken We can be free, yeah, yeah, I know that Music of Toby Mac with Starts With Me Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our phone guest today is Sherry Osteen. She's the author of the book Blackie, A Canine Rescue of the Heart. And Sherry is uh, walking us through the book Blackie, A Canine Rescue of the Heart. Sherry, if you'll just go ahead and pick up at that point. Thank you, Pastor. And he had no fear or shame. He didn't care if it was someone's lunch, someone's birthday cake, Christmas cookies, or just a special box of my Valentine chocolates. He was ruthless. I seriously wondered if he had been a serial killer before we adopted him. He just did not have a conscience. This concern grew daily, especially as the consequences and his weight worsened. Then came Christmas with the scent of Christmas cookies, baked German chocolate cake, and just the hint of a bird in the oven was Blackie's coming of age. He was a wolf in dog's clothing. Is that grammatical? Anyway, for his mere 15 pounds when wet, when wet 11-inch high frame at the, his withers, he could pack a wallop to anything remotely edible, and quite a few things not so edible. For example, we quickly learned that waste baskets were Blackie's idea of a fast food drive through <clears throat> Soon we realized after a period of trial and error, we were out of our league. Think about it. A dog with a genius IQ with nothing to do all day but plan his next heist had a great advantage over a working woman struggling between emergency rooms and doctor's appointments and skilled nursing centers with her invalid nonagenarian mother. We were just too tired and too trusting, and may I add, too stupid. We believed in the golden rule and thought that Blackie being rescued by a Christian family and all would play by our rules, not. So we formed a makeshift intervention. All waste baskets were now kept for show only, except for the master waste basket, which was kept pushed back on the washer dryer outside of Blackie's four to six foot handicap. I thought I had nailed it. And as always, not so. In fact, whenever guests came for a Christmas visit, we'd have mugs of coffee and cocoa and just baked cookies cooling on the counter in the kitchen. Blackie would join us with his charming, affable ways, making a nosedive into the waiting arms of his would-be Mark, who'd always remark how adorable he was as he squirmed and gave her puppy hugs and kisses. Yes, he was a cutie patootie. But beyond his innocent curly locks, amazing smile, and big brown eyes was lurking the mind of a criminal, a cookie monster, for sure, waiting for his next exploit, laying low for the most innocuous and opportune break. Blackie was privy to all the festivities and was marking time for his next move, rather unnerving and very unchristian for the holiday of gift-giving and sacrificial love. So the moment came. When our guest was ready to go, we all bowed our heads in a moment of grateful prayer for the season, but not Blackie. He used that holy moment to do his unholy bidding. Without a trace of remorse, he stealthily yanked our guest's Christmas cookie package right out of her belongings behind where we were standing in prayer. Without as much as a peep or a trace of dust or even a shower of cookie crumbs, 
he whisked off with the goods. My friend, yet convinced he was an angel, went looking for him to say goodbye. At her insistence, I got involved in the search. He had disappeared in a matter of seconds. As I reviewed his usual haunts with no luck, I returned to my waiting guests with my regrets that evidently Blackie was indisposed for the moment and was preparing my apology for his poor manners. And as I was making my way back to my waiting guest in the living room, I passed Blackie's pad in the dining room. As I knelt down and peered in, my eyes beheld visions of sugar plums. Well, no, but visions of the remains of my friend's oatmeal raisin cookies on Blackie's whiskers. In mere seconds, Blackie had woofed down about a dozen cookies, leaving a smoking gun, a veritable cookie duster mustache. With the Christmas spirit, my friend forgave Blackie and his bad manners with delight. I couldn't believe it. I actually think she thought him even more adorable for it, despite his conniving, mischievous ways and and left cookie-less, but with more Christmas cheer than when she had arrived. Funny how Bandit Blackie always came out on top. He not only got the cookies, he got the reputation not of a thief, but of a genius. And his reputation and his antics soon spread. Then, on about Christmas Eve, another dear friend had longingly hinted at how much some leftover pieces of my German chocolate cake had meant to her and her family earlier in the year. So, for a special treat, I determined to bake them the whole enchilada for their Christmas Eve family gathering. I was so proud. It came out beautifully, rising perfectly in the oven. So I took it out and had it cooling, a, f- a foot from the edge of the kitchen counter, carefully adjusting for Blackie's four- to six-foot handicap, while I went to check on Mom in her area. No sooner had I left the kitchen, I heard some clicking sounds, Santa's reindeer, then a humongous crash. I came running in to find my beautiful cake on the floor with Blackie gorging himself. He had eaten nearly one-fourth to one-half of the cake in less time than it took me to run to the kitchen. The cake was ruined. I had to call my friend and tell her the truth. The cake would not make it in time for her Christmas Eve dinner, and then I went shopping for more ingredients. The second cake was delivered a little bit late, but indeed glorious and well-received, I am told, on Christmas morning. But the craziest part is how my cake thief was now considered a hero. How did he do it? I knew then that we as a nation were in trouble. We were beginning to call black white and white blackie. I hesitate to recount this next disaster, but as there were some slight twists and turns and innovations, it's worth telling. I received a lovely heart-shaped box of Russell Stover's chocolates that first Valentine's Day with Blackie. I carefully put them in the middle of our dining room table and safely out of Blackie's four to six foot rule. Then I went to bed downstairs after checking on mom and sharing with her one of my chocolates. I felt such a sense of victory and contentment. I had just had the best chocolate caramel and had beat Blackie at his own game. My that sense was short-lived. Just as I got downstairs, my joy turned into panic as I heard furniture moving and what sounded like someone falling. Could mom have gone down? I ran up the stairs to find, you guessed it, the most amazing sight. Blackie had pulled a chair out from under the dining room table to afford him the height he needed to climb to the top of Mount Everest, the top of the dining room table, to retrieve the goods, the foil heart, 
with about a pound of assorted chocolates, less than one or two mom and I had just eaten. He evidently gulped them down in moments. How does he do it? And how unsatisfying to devour something so quickly, in mere seconds, without fully chewing or even really tasting them. What a waste. Anyway, by the time I had turned on all the lights to see the extent of the damage, quite anticipating a mess of paper, cardboard, and chocolate, it was just the opposite. There was no trace of anything except Blackie running and parading around on a chocolate sugar high, carrying the red heart-shaped foil box in his mouth like a trophy, a banner for his victory march. My emotions went the gamut, quickly changing from wonder to humor to oh my. After all, he had only been 15 pounds. He had just eaten a pound of chocolates. Yikes! I was now in a sense of emergency, so I called the 24-hour vet emergency room dispatcher. She quickly, over a short few weeks, became my new best friend and spoke with her of my dog's chocolate overdose. She quickly whipped out her chocolate chart and proceeded to ask for Blackie's height, weight, and breed. Well, he was about 15 pounds, but he just ate a couple dozen cookies over the past few weeks, plus one-fourth to one-half of a German chocolate cake over Christmas, and now this. Was it dark chocolate or milk chocolate? That makes a big difference. Well, who can tell? We really didn't get to see or eat very many, but the box did say assorted. Okay, so assorted probably nuts, cream centers, and caramel fillings. Yep, sounds about right. All right, at Blackie's last recorded weight of 15 pounds, he's probably okay if he ate no more than five ounces of dark chocolate. Well, who knows? What should I do? We'll find him and see what his behaviors show. What am I looking for? Hyperactivity, check. Vomiting, leg spasms, and the like. Okay, I'll see if I can find him. I pictured him convulsing in a dark corner. Finally, after keeping the dispatcher on hold for way too long, I found him. He was lying spread eagle on his back in Mom's bedroom, asleep. The dispatcher was gracious for all the wait and assured me that that was a good sign, but just to watch him through the night. If anything changed, they'd be happy to see him. So I put him in his cage and made myself a makeshift bed beside him. As a last resort, I put the name of Jesus on a piece of typing paper on top of his kennel, praying for a miracle, and finally I fell asleep. When I awakened the next morning, I had a horrible crook in my neck that took days to remediate, but our hero genius Blackie was fine. He even took a bite out of my Jesus sign. Communion? Anyway, my friends again thought that was adorable. Now they added religious holy and prayerful to his long line of accomplishments. All I had for my discomfort and drama was a crook in my neck and to add pain to agony, no chocolates. Consequently, given Blackie's six-pound weight gain in about as many weeks, his veterinarian gave me very strong recommendations, sanctions really, for Blackie to lose weight as soon as possible. As soon as possible? I sure tried to do my part. Little did I realize my battle was nothing short of a guerrilla warfare. I first tried buying some fancy, rather expensive dog food my vet recommended to help boost Blackie's metabolism. But sadly, he only lost a couple of ounces no matter how much I walked or exercised him. Then I read online somewhere that dogs need to fast one day a week. So I got him some gourmet beef broth and tried fooling him into eating that. Again, he only lost a few more ounces, but it was harder. 
because then he'd become agitated in his hunger, and consequently, he would become more aggressive in trying to steal our food. So that, too, was futile and short-lived. Finally, I put him on a high-protein, low-carb diet and saw the scales go down each time I weighed him. This diet was made in heaven and a perfect match for a carnivorous wolf like Blackie. In just short of one week, he had lost over a pound and a half. Now we were getting somewhere. For the first time since macadamia nut cookies, bananas, and milk, Blackie's weight dipped under 20 pounds. I was ecstatic. And then it happened. In one day, in one word, mom. She was quite a temptress. She was beginning to lose control of her most willing subject, as he really, really loved the protein diet I was fixing him. So he took, it took some doing and some great foods, but she finally nailed him. Fudge cake with fudge icing and ravioli. He ate the whole thing in a week's worth of calories in one sitting and chocolate. He'll do it every time. And so we were right back at square one. But at least he was alive, and I could not fight City Hall or Mom any longer. I was the one who had to change. So I decided pleasantly plump was adorable. Because Blackie was such a hopeless case with anything related to diet or food, I decided to change gears and attack his weight problem with more exercise. I even brought in outside help, a complete exercise class, making our basement into a home gym with the help of friends. James, a fitness trainer, was even willing to volunteer to help, donating an hour a week for this purpose. This was great fun for all concerned, and Mom, most of all, benefit. But Blackie, again, he dodged the bullet. He just snoozed and watched. That's our Blackie, always looking out for food, for burglars, for bad guys, and, of course, for loopholes, anything to get out of hard work. Blackie's appetites then became our first death-defying challenges. Well, after potty training. Potty training wasn't really death-defying for Blackie, but certainly unpleasant, as he challenged me every time to spank his nose with a newspaper or spray him with water. To me, they were both part and parcel of the same digestive system, and Mom's feeding him bananas and milk, well, it translated into diarrhea, and Mom's feeding... Um, the next day, and on my bedroom carpet, that's where it would be manifest. Funny how that worked. She got to indulge him, and I got to discipline and to clean it up. But he was, after all, just a puppy, right? Well, sort of. So this is to be expected, right? What wasn't exactly normal was mom's delight in her little boy, wanting him to have all the creature comforts of after-school treats, milk and cookies, and so forth. It was hopeless. The dog was impossible, but he was trainable, but she was not. So so many times... Sure, we're coming up on a break, and we'll pick up on the other side. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as our author, Sherry Oldstein, is reading that Blackie, a canine rescue of the heart, will be right back. Thank you. 
the music of Elevation Worship with O Sing. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our phone guest today is Sherry Oldstein. She's the author of the book, Blackie, a Canine Rescue of the Heart. And she's reading through this uh, very touching and very powerful uh, no, a very powerful book. Uh, Sherry, if you'll pick up uh, about where you left off, please. Thank you, Pastor. <clears throat> what wasn't exactly normal was Mom's delight in her little boy, wanting him to have all the creature comforts of after-school treats, milk and cookies, and so forth. It was hopeless. The dog was impossible, but he was trainable, but she was not. So many times there I'd be up all night with the 24-hour vet emergency room services, poison control lines, hydrogen peroxide fixes, etc., all to save a squirmy live wire at 2.30 in the morning and being told to walk him until he threw up in 21-degree weather. One particularly bad, loud, cold, and stormy night, Mom had left her omega-3 bottle out on the dining room table which, by the way, was becoming a snap for old Blackie. Anything he wanted higher than he could jump could easily be reached by pulling out a chair and hopping up on the table or wherever. It was becoming commonplace to hear such rackets, and I would always come running as I was terrified to think Mom may have fallen in the dining room or something, only to find Blackie looking back at me at eye level from the top of something, usually the dining room table. It was scary, otherworldly, and unsettling. Anyway, this night, her omega-3 had just arrived by UPS. So thank heavens the childproof seal was still intact. I had gone to bed in the basement and thought everything was well in my world. Not so. I awakened later to use the restroom and came upstairs to see all the lights on in the dining room and the kitchen areas and to hear some very unsettling noises. First, I checked in Mom's area. She was fine, thankfully, although she had recently been up to get a late-night snack and left all the lights on behind her. So where was all that scratching racket coming from? I looked around, followed the noise, and then I saw it. Blackie's cage was shaking all over, almost off its foundations under his privacy cover. When I lifted his cover, stupid me, wherever did I read that dogs need and or deserve privacy in the first place? There he was, grasping the brand-new Omega-3 bottle tightly between his front paws like a little raccoon and then chewing around the edges with his razor-like puppy shark teeth till all the tinfoil had been loosened. Probably had already eaten that, too. Then just as I apprehended him, he gulped down all 60 gel caps. Well, I caught him at hello with four yet unswallowed ones. This was... This one act of surprise probably turned out to be Blackie's lifesaver. All the remaining 56 of the omega-3 gel caps when he later upchucked the poison control recommended hydrogen peroxide emergency fix came out virtually intact and whole. Then the job of cleaning everything. Then to lock Blackie back in his cage where he should have been in the first place. Then to try to use it as a teaching moment for my mother, not too successful there, especially during a blizzard at 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, you just don't learn until you suffer, right? I guess I'm a real slow study. Nothing wrong with Blackie's IQ. Since we didn't rescue Blackie until after his first birthday, and because we didn't know the quality of his life the first year before we adopted him, we were determined to make sure his first 
birthday with us was truly special. I got him doggy treats made in the shape of birthday cupcakes, a party king crown hat, and a birthday card. I had mom sign not to mention his godmother, Loretta, as well as several other friends. Then we all sang happy birthday to him and gave him his special treats. He seemed a little bored and slightly perplexed at what was going on, but treats and the attention of the ladies, they always motivated him. So he forgave me for making him look so silly and enjoyed his treats as usual in a couple of gulps. And so with each passing birthday, Mom and Blackie continued to bond together. Both Blackie and Mom were born in October, two weeks apart, but they were quite the odd couple, as she was a full 90 years his senior. It soon became clear to me that all my female and even my male visitors, for that matter, had nothing on Mom when it came to Blackie. She was his undisputed queen, period. No runners-up. Not ever. Even when I tried to bribe him with forbidden treats, he would always yell to his little queen, hands or rather paws down. It was like I said, divinely inspired, a friendship made in heaven. And as such, wherever she went, Blackie was right there. He took it very seriously, like he was on assignment, her full-time bodyguard. Wherever she left a room, he would follow. Sometimes I would have a rawhide treat for him in the living room. And as much as he loved rawhide treats, if she was resting in her bedroom and he'd hear her stir, He'd look longingly at the treat and then go to his familiar post, sleeping right at her door like a little soldier, or if he could, on her bed. It was a comfort for me to know that Blackie was on the beat. Now, surprisingly, her loyalty to him, bless his heart, was not quite as apparent initially. As we would drive home from shopping, eating out, running errands, church, and the like, That first year or two, she would say to me, Sherry, do you really want to keep Blackie? Do you really like him? I was incredulous. I'd say, Mom, of course I do. Don't you? She'd answer, well, I love Blackie, but I don't always like him. And we'd settle it that most people are not likable all the time. But still, here was this dog that would so devoted to her that he was practically rude in his preference to her over everything and everyone else including me, who had to do everything to take care of him, including cleaning up his messes that she often instigated by giving him forbidden treats, etc. And now she's the one who is not sure she even likes him? It was a shocker. But things were changing, mainly in her mind. Little things that only months before were just little cracks in her reasoning were now becoming more glaringly apparent. For example, one day she slept until noon. And then, without any notice, she came running out the bedroom dressed to the nines. I said, Mom, you look so nice, but you're awfully dressed up. Where are you going? She said, well, didn't you know? I have a doctor's appointment today. I said, well, remember, your doctor's nurse called yesterday and said your urinary analysis was normal and you wouldn't need to see the doctor. She sat down with a very determined look in her eye. Very matter-of-factly, she said, well, I wasn't speaking of that doctor. I was referring to my new doctor. What new doctor, I stammered. Well, she said, obviously perturbed at me. My new doctor, my obstetrician. Again, it was all I could do to keep a straight face. You've been seeing an obstetrician? Why? And her retort without missing a beat, well, if you must know, I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. 
really? Who's <laughs> the father? And her response, I'll tell you um, tomorrow. I then told her we'd talk about it over lunch. As she was already dressed, I thought a meal out would be a comfort to her. Also, I wanted her to have a very strong cup of coffee as soon as possible. I was learning that her ability to wake up was not always instantaneous and that there was a little gap between her dream mode and her awake alert mode. Anyway, after coffee, food, and a lot of talking, I convinced her that she was most assuredly not pregnant at 92. Furthermore, as she had had a hysterectomy 40 years before and had lost her husband 30 years before, there was really no cause for worry. She was so relieved, bless her heart, she was so worried about how she was going to take care of a little baby at her age. And so it went. Things were slowly beginning to unravel. Every day truly was a new day, and the possibilities, as I was just beginning to learn, were endless. Chapter 4, Finding Joy. About this time, Mom and I had started including Blackie in our evening prayers. This was really for my own sanity. I really had two children. Both were ornery, full of surprises, slightly sneaky, some days a whole lot sneaky, and both were incontinent, another thing that bonded them. And the one that should have been mature and been my ally was bribing the other one behind my back. It was as if they were two naughty school children in detention hall conspiring against their poor old teacher, but they were bonding, whoopee-doo, so prayer. Every night before bedtime, we would light a fire in the fireplace when appropriate and all congregate on the sofa with Blackie in between. Then we'd pray scriptures over our family, our friends, our nation, and our world. When it came time to pray for ourselves, I'd always pray that God would heal mom's memory, brain function, dementia, with his triumphs, he would be healed, according to Isaiah 53, 5, and similar prayers for myself. Then we'd both lay hands on Blackie and would pray, Dear Lord, make Blackie the head and not the tail, Deuteronomy 28, 13, and make him more than conqueror through him that loved us, Romans 8, 37. Finally, heal him of his incontinence by your stripes. Let him be healed, Isaiah 53, 5. With that, Blackie would jump down and hide. He'd had his fill of prayer. Soon it became apparent that praying for Blackie last was not a very good idea. So we began to pray for him first. He loved the attention, and he would stay until he'd heard the last of our prayers for him. Then he'd lose interest, jump down, and disappear. However, gradually, gradually, I noticed something very special. Blackie's indiscretions in potty training were almost a thing of the past. And his other behaviors, though not perfect, were definitely improving. He hadn't been on the dining room table stealing chocolates, etc., for some time. Prayer and the passage of time worked. I wouldn't use the word mature, but definitely our Blackie was growing up. We had survived the terrible twos. So when I thought he was ready, I allowed him to attend a group ecumenical prayer meeting I held in our home. Because it was multi-denominational, there were some rather tense moments. But Blackie, sensing the conflict, saved the day. He ambled up to some of our guests that were the most uncomfortable, licked their hands, and then sat with them, smiling at them through the rest of the meeting. He did an amazing job to promote unity in a rather diverse, volatile setting. All right, Sherry, we're coming close to the end, and we're going to uh, pick up next time about right there. 
Uh, our phone guest today has been uh, Sherry Oatstein. She's the author of the book, Blackie, A Canine Rescue of the Heart. And as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you're listening today and you've never made the all-important step of inviting Jesus Christ to come into your heart as Lord and Savior, we want to invite you to make that tremendous step even today. If you'd like to make that important decision, would you simply, from your heart, pray this prayer with me even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, by faith, I repent and turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've, I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. You said in your word, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we very much would like to be in touch with you, like to be in contact. My email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. Uh, we'd like to share with you some literature and resources that are going to help you to begin to grow and grow strong and deep in your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we certainly hope to hear from you once again, that email, joseph at afr.net. Our phone guest today, once again, has been Sherry Oatstein. Sherry, thanks so much again for being with us, and we'll look forward to uh, the next installment of Blackie, Canine Rescue of the Heart. Thanks for being with us today, Sherry. You're welcome. It was fun. Thank you. All right. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Please pray much for this broadcast and for the ministry of the American Family Association. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.